Hey guys, Darren here. It's the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. This show exists to connect, equip, and promote emerging supernaturalists on a global level. And speaking of global and supernaturalists, you're in for a treat. Today, I'm going to introduce you to the founder of Men on the Front Lines and one of the core leaders of Patricia King Ministries. He hosts a weekly program called Heroes Arise, co-hosts the weekly program Propel, and is a regular guest host of Everlasting Love on God TV. He just wrote a brand new book called Winning the Battle for Your Mind, Your Will, and Emotions. Again, the book's called Winning the Battle for Your Mind, Will, and Emotions. His name, Robert Hodgkin. Now, super excited about his new website. He just launched it. You're going to love this interview. You're going to want more resources. You're going to want to know more. You're going to want to get his book. To do that, go to Robert Hodgkin. Dot com and check out everything that he's made available uh, to you. So we're, we're about to dive into um, this interview. But before we do that, just want to encourage you to take a minute or two to rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are like the word of mouth for podcasts. There's so much content that's being created right now in the, in the internet world. So if you would help us stand out, that would be amazing. To do that, I've created a link to get you there safely and efficiently. It's my name. Well, it's at, so here it is. It's thedarrenshow.com. Again, thedarrenshow.com. That'll redirect you to iTunes. Again, just take that second or two to rate and review. You can give it one star, and that means that you think it's kind of lame. We can give it five stars, and that means that you think this podcast be legit, be off the chain. So now, without any further ado, let's dive into my interview with Robert Hodgkin right here, right now on the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. Let's go. Connecting, equipping, and promoting emerging supernaturalists. <laughs> We've been created for such a time as this. All right, and here we go. <laughs> there is more. He said, what? Robert, what's up? Hey, Darren, how you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm I'm great, and I'm excited about this conversation. I I, I love all of our conversations, and I do too. Um, but we don't usually get to record our conversations. <laughs> <laughs> this is a first. This is a first. But you are one of my absolute favorite people ever. So any chance to connect with you is a blessing. Oh, Robert, you're making me blush. Thank God this is a, an audio medium, an audio uh, media here. Um, and Robert, I, I, I just love what, you, um, what you've been going after. I love what you're cultivating. And I'm just so curious as to what the Lord is kind of cultivating inside of you. Um, you got a book that just came out recently on uh, winning the battle for your mind, your will, and your emotions. You're also the apostolic leader of men on the front lines. You're a key leader with Patricia King Ministries. Um, I know you got so much kind of going on. Uh, and every time I see you, whether it's on on Facebook or if it's in person, you always just got this like this uh, uh, this like courageous joy about you. It's it's not like this um, this uh, uh, this kind of shallow happiness. It's like this kind of this just courageous like uh, uh, joy that's rooted in authority. And I just love watching you. I love watching what God's doing in you. Oh, man. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm really excited for where we are and where we're going. Um, I really believe we've been in we're in a, a shift. We're sort of in that crossing over time where uh, the, the analogy would be when God spoke to Joshua and said, hey, 
have everybody consecrate themselves anew. We're going to go. I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to take you across. You're going to go and inhabit the promised land. I actually believe, and I prophesied this several years ago, that we had crossed over and we are now in the quote unquote promised land. And that's wow. an easy prophetic word, Darren, because <laughs> if you're in Christ, you're in the promised sure, land. Sure, sure, sure. But I think what's going on now is God is really reawakening us as his people to realize we have been given everything in Christ. I think too often we're crying out and saying, God, do something. And God's gently reminding us, I did everything at the cross and I've empowered you to do it. I really believe that it's like Exodus 14 when Moses stood up before God and said, I don't know if you've noticed, Lord, but there's some attack coming our way. Like Pharaoh seems to have changed his mind and he brought his whole army and they're pressing down on us. And if you do something that would be really cool right now because everybody's freaking out. And God very nicely says to Moses, you do it. And that's not because he's not there. He doesn't care or he's abandoning his people. He's reminding Moses, no, you had the encounter with me. I reminded you of the promises over your life. I, I spoke life to you. I empowered you. I, I, I supernaturally empowered you. And I gave you instructions of what to do. Continue moving forward. Continue doing what you're doing. You know, what do you have in your hands? Stretch forth that rod. Remember the shepherd staff I gave you, how I've empowered you, how I'm with you. And I think that's what God's doing for us today for his church he's, he's wants to remind us what he's given us what he's spoken to us and for us to stop waiting for him to do it he has done it he wants to work with us to see those things come to pass and i really believe this is the most exciting time ever to be a christian in the earth come on <laughs> come on robert that's what i'm talking about dude <laughs> <laughs> like that's what I'm talking about. You're, you're always so positive. <laughs> well, it's like, a choice. You just, got you, know, done, and- you just got done saying, "Hey guys, we're in the promised land. Darn it, wake up! Like this is <laughs> this is it." You know, (laughs) one of the things we have to help everybody, me included, is to break off a victim mentality. And I don't know if you've noticed, but societally, there is this voice screaming at us to take on a victim mentality. And there's serious things going on in the world that seriously need to be addressed. But in that truth, and we need to be addressing those things, we need to be shining light into darkness and exposing things. I think it's great that things are being exposed in in government, in Hollywood. But in that, this lie is sneaking in that our power is in a victim mentality. Our power is in offense. Our power is in outrage. We should be outraged, but our power isn't in outrage. Our power is in standing in our authority because because what is it? First Peter five, eight, I think, Darren, that says the enemy roams around like a lion mm. looking for a victim he can devour. Wow. That's a key scripture for us right now, because what it doesn't say is if the enemy attacks, you're a victim. It says he's looking for a victim who we can devour. When we take on that a victim so mentality, good, so we open the door to be devoured as opposed to being reminded just because there's a battle. It doesn't mean God's not there. It doesn't mean God doesn't care. It doesn't mean the word isn't true. It doesn't mean the prophetic promise isn't for us. It doesn't mean we're not in the promised land. It means we are and we're taking territory. 
I think it was in the book of Joshua. I studied this out years ago. I think it was either two or three major battles the tribe of Israel had on the way to the promised land. And once they got in, I think it was 23 major battles. So if we're seeing battles, it's because we're in the promise and we are advancing it. We are stretching it out. We are, we are, we are stretching forth our tent pegs and we've got to avoid this victim mentality. And I think God is highlighting that to his people today, reminding us we are victors, not victims. Dude, that is so exciting. I, I've actually been working on uh, my first Bible study. It's a uh, an expository study of the book of James that, that I'm calling oh, right from victim to victorious. Because, oh, I love it. Because James really t- uh, wrestles with this whole idea of suffering and um, and um, in that place of of endurance and the purpose of suffering and and all, and all of this and all of these things. And I think that um, that there's been this schism within the church where, on one hand, you have maybe more of the reform camp that really glorifies suffering and almost says right. the more that you suffer, the more holy and Christ like you are. And, but you swing to the other side, and there's almost this idea that if you're in Christ, you're never going to suffer, you know. And so, uh, and what you're talking about is the mindset is as you're processing through. Exactly. Your suffering and as you're processing through the persecution as believers we're not allowed to play the victim card i mean can you imagine if jesus would have been up there on the cross playing the victim card like why me (laughs) doing the the nancy kerrigan why you know on the cross it's like right right well i think and the reason i wrote the book when in the battle for your mind will and emotions is the whole point of that book is to remind every believer how powerful they are because we are way more powerful than we realize and in the book i really help everybody tap into the supernatural divine power within them so that they can not only see victory and live in victory but so that they can start releasing heaven into the earth in notable or remarkable ways and one of the things god showed me the book came from Uh, living this whole thing out for many, many years, but also a series of visitations that the Lord gave me where he started teaching me things. And really one of the things he showed me is every battle comes down to a battle of the soul or a battle for our mind, will, and emotions, because Mm -hmm. the soul is the place of volition. The soul is the place where we decide what we believe and what we're going to live from. And the enemy's tactic since the garden has been twofold. One, get us to focus on what it looks like we don't have as opposed to what we do. And in that, make us feel like God is withholding something from us so that we will rebel against his word. Because he showed up and he points to Eve and says, did God really say, are the promises of God really for you? Is God really showing up for you? You can't eat any of this stuff. And she says, well, no, we can eat all of it except that one fruit. But the enemy gets her to focus on the one fruit on the one tree as opposed to the smorgasbord of smorgasbord, the plenty of plenty, the provision of provision that is hers. He gets her to focus on the very one thing that that is not available that they don't have, but then he attaches a lie to it that God's withholding something from you. He says, yeah, that's the best one. And if you eat it, you would be just like God. And Darren, you know, the lie in that is they already were like God. It says in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, that we are made in the very image of God. Mm. We don't, God's not withholding anything from us. There's nothing else we need to do. There's nothing else we need to say. We have been made in his image and we were restored to the fullness of relationship with him through the cross of Christ, which means we are once again, his people, his tribe and his dominion stewards in the earth. 
Man, that's so good. And one of the things I really appreciate about your book, Robert, um, uh, I actually got it here in front of me, um, is oftentimes when it comes to the areas of the soul, um, th- we've had such a uh, such a negative um, theology for the soul traditionally right. within within the church. Um, and you've you you haven't taken that approach at all. You've you've taken such a positive approach um, to the soul, and it's such. Uh, in fact, you it's almost like you, well, you are. You're implying within the book that there's actually like power within the soul to to transform our our our, our lives. Uh, there's huge power not only to transform our lives, but to make the world a better place. Yeah, and that's one of the things I love. It's, it's you know, I mean, uh, it, oftentimes people even have this this viewpoint that the soul is almost the the inner demonic part of you. Right, that you have right. to kind of lord over with your spirit, right? Like, you know, so say to that that demon voice inside of you to be quiet because it's church yeah. time, and we have to engage with the with with the Holy Spirit. But certainly. Like uh, a soul tune-up is part of, uh, or the renewing of the mind is a, is a major yes. part of uh, of our of our journey, you know, yes. uh, that we're on. And and so, Robert, like when it comes to the renewing of the mind, when it comes to like get, getting things tuned up so that you can be more like a proactive kind of kingdom creator um, on the earth. What what are some things that you've learned as far as to really bring your mind into that place where um, where your soul isn't railing against? Um, uh, God's heart for, you know, for the earth, but you're actually in alignment with God's heart. And that's what's important is to stay in alignment with God's heart. And Darren, as you know, the soul is not only the mind, it's the mind, the will, and the emotions. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and to go into what you were saying is we do, we do have to watch over our soul. Because it is where the enemy attacks. Ultimately, every attack of the enemy is an attack on the soul, whether it's an attack on our body, whether it's an attack on our finances, whether it's attack on our relationships, whether it's attack on our prodigals. It's always ultimately an attack on our soul, because like we talked about before, the soul is where we choose. We decide, we make the decision of what we're going to believe, what we're going to declare and what we're going to stand on. And the enemy always wants us to choose the report of our temporary circumstances, which are real and facts, and they're what Paul called the light and momentary afflictions. The challenge is they often don't feel light or seem momentary, but they are in the right. eternal perspective. Right. But but he always wants us to choose that as our portion, that as our report, so we will rebel against God. And you think, well, I'd never deny Jesus as my Savior. That's not it. It's, it's will you choose to believe something other than the eternal truth? So I mean, one of the one of the huge things God did for me is I had an encounter with the Lord where he came and he took me into Genesis one. And in Genesis one, one through twenty five, we all know the amazing lesson that God shows us there about how he brought forth creation. But here's the thing he showed me, Darren, in verses one through twenty five, he speaks forth all of creation. But when you look at that, the way it works is the Holy Spirit is hovering. The Father speaks, and the Word, who we also know from John 1, is the Son, goes forth. And what he showed me was the importance of, and I'm going to open a huge theological can of worms for you, (laughs) the, the Trinity. The Trinity, our God is three in one. He is three persons in one. He is Father, Son, and Spirit all in one. I don't pretend to understand the depths and mysteries of that. But what the Lord showed me was that all of creation was brought forth by the divine unity and harmony of the three persons of God co-laboring together, the Holy Spirit hovering 
the Father speaking and the Word going forth. Now, why this is so important for us right now and within the topic that we're talking about is then in verses 26 through 28, God says, and he's very clear in his Word, he says, let us make man, male and female, in our image. Mm. And he's very clear that it's in the image of the plurality of the three-in-one divine harmonious unity of Father, Son, and Spirit. We are three-in-one. We are made in the image of the three-in-one. Now, by no means am I saying our body, soul, and spirit are anywhere equivalent to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But why this is important is after he makes it clear that he's making us in his image, three-in-one, body, soul, and spirit, he then declares over us that we are his dominion stewards in the earth. And what he showed me, Darren, was those first 20 five verses of Genesis 1 as not only a divine history lesson of how creation came forth, he was modeling to us how to be effective as dominion stewards in the earth because the three persons of God are informing and forming creation through divine harmonious agreement, which is a duh, because of course, God, Father, Son, and Spirit are always in agreement. But then he makes us in his image, puts us in place as dominion stewards. And what's critical is to go back to the question you asked me, is is that we operate as a divinely inspired and aligned three in one our body soul and spirit all in agreement all in alignment with god we have been crying out since i've been a christian for 14 and a half years i'm hearing the church cry out more god more god more god and that's a theologically inaccurate cry because god has given us everything everything has been given to us in christ we can't have more but we can want more because what we're really crying out for isn't more of God, it's greater manifestations of what we know is ours in Christ, which is why we're so hungry to see it. And what God showed me, the missing ingredient, the key to operating in the more of God that we're hungry for, the more joy, the more peace, the more love, the more anointing, the more miracles, the more power, is to make sure that we choose to stay in alignment with the will and word of God and not let our feelings, not let the attacks of the enemy affect us so that we're giving place to fear, giving place to doubt, giving place to all these things that subtly take us out of alignment. We've all done it. In the book, he shows me how to bring everything back into alignment. He taught me and I put it in the book so that everybody can do that so they can live in the more of God that they're hungry for. Oh, Robert, it's amazing. So well said. uh, And it just just ties right into this whole season that we've been in here in Seattle. Um, I've just got done with a four-week series called 100%. And this whole idea that we would have a 100% body, 100% soul, 100% spirit. And, um, and what, as you were talking, I was thinking about Ephesians 412, where it talks about, um, you know, that the word, the living word comes to divide the soul from the spirit and the flesh from the marrow. Uh, and oftentimes we think that divide means to cut away, right? Right. Um, but really that can be translated to, to discern. And that's it. One of the things that we were talking about that we've been having this conversation is that our body, our soul, and our spirit all have a voice. Mm-hmm. And that you can listen to your body, right? You can listen to your soul. You can listen to your spirit. And it's the living word that gives us the ability to discern the difference between our soul and our spirit and, yes. even, and even our body. And, and I think that that's one of the areas where in, in, um, in the church we haven't really talked about body talk. We've had right. this idea that our bodies are like our soul. 
sinful and that only our spirit is righteous. Jesus yeah, died yeah. for our spirit, you know, and that, that, yeah. that, that whole thing. But what you're talking about is, uh, there's a, there's an emphasis right now. There's uh, that, that the Lord is, um, is putting on the church right now that we would have a healthy soul life, right? Yep. And that we'd have a yep. healthy spiritual life and that we'd be physically healthy and that we would be, um, uh, uh, fully integrated, right? Right. And that we prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to, um, when it comes to, ex- uh, acknowledging these com- concepts, most most listen most listeners are going to hear what you're saying. They're going to go, "Well, of course, yeah, like absolutely, yeah, right." And, yeah. and obviously, we know that the breakdown doesn't come from really necessarily a lack of knowledge as much as it is uh, uh, dysfunctional cultures and just a lack of accountability. And I, you're one of the um, you're one of the executive leaders at Patricia King Ministries, and I'm I'm curious about the culture there um, within Patricia King Ministries when it comes to your your leadership team and and it comes to being around. Patricia and the different leaders that what kind of accountability is there when when um, when you're not necessarily operating at 100% within your soul? <laughs> oh, that's great. You know, well, um, I think, you know, this there and one of the things we did in our ministry is we made a decision early on because we we birth a lot of vision. We carry out a lot of vision. We run with a lot of vision, vision, births, vision. We've always got a lot going on, always, always <laughs> right. doing a lot for what the, God wants to do in the earth. So we absolutely love and believe in vision. But one of the things that we decided very early on that the foundation of our ministry would be kingdom values. And we actually have those kingdom values written out um, and posted. And the reason. The reason we did that is we feel like if you have a firm foundation of kingdom values, kingdom truth, the character and nature of God, what he says about us in his word as our foundation, then you can build anything upon that. And the reason I think that's important, and I hope this addresses your question, is with vision, you know, I know people that are strong visionaries, really strong visionaries and passionate for God. So they go running after the vision. If you don't have, number one, the accountability of kingdom values and then an accountability of people around you that will help you use that as a plumb line, you can get so focused on the vision and wanting to accomplish it. You won't realize that you start to veer off kingdom values, that your soul all of a sudden is getting out of alignment, that you're using people as opposed to serving people. Wow. You're, you're, the ends is justifying the means. And yep. it's all for the good reason of, I want to accomplish this for God. So the number one thing we have for accountability in our ministry is an agreed upon list of kingdom values. And we, everyone from um, Patricia and Ron at the very top to somebody who gets brought into the ministry as a volunteer tomorrow, Every one of us has the right in love and with honor to bring to hold each other accountable to those values. And I'll I'll give you I'll tell a story on myself. (laughs) Years ago, um, we were going through we were making all these changes in our media department and these young guys were coming in and they're great guys. And it seemed like everything they, they wanted to make one change after another. And I can't even remember the program, but it was this program behind the scenes, all this, um, uh, to, to like set up meetings and all this stuff. Like it was like an administrative program. And I, I, was wrestling with it. And one day I went into one of our guys and I was like, I keep trying to use this thing. It doesn't make sense to me. Can't somebody just tell me what time the meeting is? Text me. That's the way we used to do it. (laughs) And he's looking at me like, I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say to you. I walked away 
And all of a sudden, even before he said something, Holy Spirit totally convicted me. He said, you just spoke to him out of frustration. Mm. That's not okay. Mm. So I had to go back to him. His name's Stephen. You know Stephen. He's been with us for many years. He's a great guy. He's one of my favorite people. I went back and said, Stephen, I owe you a huge apology. I don't know why I'm wrestling with this so much, but I, I, I got frustrated. I spoke to you out of frustration. I made it sound like it was your fault for trying to make things better as opposed to I'm, I'm simply wrestling with this. Like, would you mind sitting down and teaching me how to use this program? Would you forgive me for acting out of frustration and not speaking to you in the way you deserve to be spoken to and teach me this? And he did. And then the point of this is he came back to me. I can't remember if it was a few days later or a week later. And he said, I want you to know how much that meant to me. And I realized as a ministry, we really can hold each other accountable. I wasn't sure I could say anything to you, but now I realize I can because you you want, I was like, of course, hold me accountable. Because sometimes I think, especially if we've had control issues or authority abuse issues in our past, the idea of accountability can feel like control or manipulation, but really it's the exact opposite. It's freedom. So anybody in our ministry can come up to somebody, but part of our values are love and honor. Those are some of our kingdom values. So it has to be done with love and honor. And you're doing it for the person, not against the person. It's not punitive. It's, 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 it's it's helping people come back because we're all going to blow it. It's ridiculous if we put some kind of performance perfection mandate on one another. We're all going to blow it on occasion. It's are we willing to be a team? Are we willing to work together to bring each other back into alignment? And because ultimately the whole thing comes down to as where we started with the book is if we're willing to do this with Holy Spirit and with each other and in the book at every chapter I give keys on how to make this really practical and really simple simple and applied to your life we can not only change our lives Darren we can change the whole wide world and the, the, the scripture I want to highlight before I throw it back over to you is, is Romans 5 15 through 19 it's a key scripture for me in all of this and you know it it says because I'm paraphrasing but because the first son Adam disobeyed, unrighteousness entered the earth. Because the second son, Christ Jesus, obeyed, righteousness was made available to all. And we have to wake up to the power of this scripture. What it's saying is, as sons of God, and that's men and women, because there's no male or female in Christ Jesus, as sons of God, when we choose to obey, when we choose to trust in the eternal word of God, and we choose to stand on it and declare it and agree with it, even when our temporary circumstances seem to be shouting something else, not only is it a blessing to us, but it blesses the whole wide world. But also, if we choose the opposite, it not only affects us, it affects the whole wide world, because it doesn't say because Adam chose to disobey, he was made unrighteous. He was, but it says unrighteousness entered the earth. Wow. But the wow. positive part of that is because Christ Jesus obeyed, righteousness was made available to all. He was already righteous. It wasn't about him being made righteous. It was as a son, as a child of God, as part of his tribe in relationship with him. When we choose, which is the soul, and that's what it's all about. That's why the enemy attacks our mind, our will, our emotions, our body, our finances, our relationships. So when our soul will choose to not agree with the word of God, to not act from the word of God, because then that is released, that that unbelief, that unrighteousness enters the world. We are so much more powerful than we realize. The good news is we can wake up to that power, see our lives change, and we can change the whole wide world. Robert, that's amazing. And I want to take you back to uh, one of the one of the areas within your own heart that you discerned and then you went back and addressed, and that was frustration. And yeah. frustration should be a red flag for all of us. Yes. And 
when I say red flag, oftentimes we don't necessarily hold ourselves accountable, right, for how we're how our soul is manifesting in negative ways. And I, I think just something practical that we can all do is to begin holding ourselves accountable for when we get triggered, when we get frustrated. Yeah. And one of the things that, that I do is I actually have a, a red flag folder in my Evernote app. And so oh, cool. whenever there's, I have a conversation and somebody says something and my heart just kind of um, gets grieved, <laughs> yeah. what I'll do is I'll go to the app and I'll write down what was said and then I'll pray into it and I'll circle around and then revisit that conversation wow. to find out what was at the root of that. But I'll also write down things um, that, that I'm being triggered by that I don't necessarily have understanding as to why. And one of the things I think is really important is that we look at the environments where we can get frustrated and react and actually get away with it. Yes. Because for all of us, there are environments where if we get frustrated and we react, we won't get away with it. You know, maybe, maybe you'll get fired. Maybe you'll just be put in your place. But then there are other environments where you can get frustrated and use your authority. Maybe it's, maybe it's with your kids. Like, what are your kids going to do about it? Right. Like, right. If you get frustrated with your kids and you go off. Um, and what, what's interesting is that costs us a certain amount of relational equity when we, um, oh, that's a great way to put it. When we get frustrated and in that place of frustration, we react. Because I don't know about you, dude, but like when I react, I'm not at my best. <laughs> well, I can't relate to that at all, dude. <laughs> right? Like, but don't ask my wife. <laughs> and, and honestly, when I, when I, the way that, so I'll just confess sin here. When I get frustrated and react, what I do is I actually insert control. Yes. And when I insert control, I'm actually removing somebody else's authority and making somebody else feel powerless. And then in that place of inserting control, I'm, I'm satisfying my own fear that something's going to go wrong. And so that's, so that's where in that place you, you, I mean, you hit on it and, and, and I just love the fact that there was the grace there and the Holy Spirit was there like, whoa, whoa, Robert, this isn't who I created you to be. That's right. Circle around and really address that. But when you said that, I just felt like, hey, this is a this is like a teaching moment here because we all yeah. we all get frustrated, right? Oh yeah, we do. And yep. it's, and it's just like how it's just maybe putting greater gravity on those moments so that we don't just react, or if we do, because because we do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we do, doing what you did there and really circling back around and revisiting that, and um, and then just kind of massaging that that relationship there so that you know so that people don't see you as a tyrant uh, text message no, me. that's good it's really good well I, one of the things that i talk about in the book is we've we've also it's important that we pay attention to any patterns of wrong responses yes like yes. if you know and you're doing it what you're doing with frustration and you're looking at what's triggering it but not only what's triggering it but simply I pray all the time, Holy Spirit, convict me early and often, Mm. you know, and the way he tends to discipline me is he reminds me who I really am. So I can see in that moment, that's not who I really am. But I've got a chapter in the book called Divine Setup. And it's uh, one of the other things that
that God showed me. And you know, in uh, Hebrews, where it talks about He will shake everything that can be shaken, so the unshakable things can 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 remain. And then there's an echo of that in Haggai two, where He says, "I'm going to shake everything of the earth, so that a greater glory can come forth and peace can come forth." And one of the things God showed me was if we see a pattern in our life of frustration responses, of fear responses, of anger responses, of discouragement responses, some of those are not, it's yes, it's the enemy attacking, but God allows those for a reason. They're actually divine setups because somewhere in there, what he wants to do is he's shaking what can be shaken. And the reason that we respond, I respond with frustration, is there's something in there that I bought into a lie. And God wants to reveal that because my foundation is on a lie. My foundation isn't on the eternal truth of God. It's on the temporary fact of what I'm dealing with. So it's a divine setup. So those things can be revealed, not so we feel guilty or ashamed or bad, That's but good. so that we can get with him and go, Lord, I see this pattern. I don't even fully understand this pattern. Is there a lie that I'm basing on? Help my soul get back into alignment with you. And he'll do it. And the response to that is, because in Haggai, it's all about the temple, a greater glory of the temple coming forth. But New Testament believers were the temple. So when we're getting shakings, and that word there in the Greek in Hebrews is saluo, and it can be translated as agitation and irritation. So if you see a pattern of agitation and irritation in your life, it may well be a divine setup, not so you feel bad, but so God can help you see that there's a lie that you've bought into that's that you're choosing to believe a lie or a temporary fact over eternal truth consistently. He wants it revealed so we can heal it and you have a firmer foundation to stand on. Years ago, I was my itinerant ministry schedule was super heavy. This was probably three or four years ago. And every like three times a, a week, I'm, I was flying out. And you know what air travel can be challenging. And God blessed me with a season where for like a month, every single flight was delayed or canceled or held up on the tarmac or every single flight I was on, I was squeezed into a middle seat with like um, a cacophony of glorious babies all around me. (laughs) And I was getting irritated, agitated, frustrated. It all came to a head when I was in England and I was, I'd been there for a couple weeks doing meetings and I was get trying to get to a morning meeting that I was doing. And I was at the Victoria train station. I had to take a train to this place and I had to recharge my, they're called oyster cards, which is how you, you know, you pay for yeah. like um, tube and train travel over there. I had to recharge it. I recharged it. I put a bunch of money on it for the next couple of weeks and the machine didn't give me a ticket, didn't give me a receipt. And I needed the receipt for our bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. So I turned to the guy and I'm like, Hey, I didn't get a receipt. And he, he looks at me and goes, the machine's supposed to give you one. And my response was like, yeah, I know. And it didn't. And that's why I'm talking to you. I need it. And he said, well, you have to go over to the window. That's the only place to get it. So my train's leaving in 10 minutes and I'm in this line and there's nobody in the window. And, and, and long story short, I'm getting more and more frustrated. There's people in front of me. I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting irritated. I'm thinking, so my choices are I miss my train and I'm late for the meeting or I don't get my receipt and I'm getting more and more frustrated. Holy spirit speaks to me, says, what's going on with you? And I, I actually, I whisper under my breath to him out loud. Well, I think you know what's going on. I mean, they're going to lose my receipt, or am I? And he said, No, no, no. Those are your circumstances. What's going wow. on with you? Wow. And I said, Well, I guess I'm getting frustrated and irritated. He said, Why? And I'm, and I'm doing what I'm doing now. I'm going. I can't put my finger on it. And all of a sudden, he says to me, 
is it because you feel powerless? Wow. And I said, that's it. That's exactly it, Lord. Wow. I feel completely powerless. I either don't get my receipt or I I don't get to the meeting on time. And I, I had no control over all those flights that have been canceled and delayed. For the last month, I feel so powerless. And he spoke to me clearly. He said, that is a lie you're believing. And I'm debating with God. I'm saying, no, it's not. That flight was canceled. And this, he said, no, no, no. You always have power because you always have power over yourself. Wow. You are not exercising power over yourself. You're not exercising power over your mind, will, and emotions. And it's all because of a lie. And he was showing me that the last month had been a blessed divine setup that he had allowed. So I would see the pattern of irritation and agitation. So eventually I would listen to him when he's saying, what is going on with you? And now when I get in those situations, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you, I never start to get frustrated, but all of a sudden I remember, wait a minute, the truth is I always have power over myself. And this is an awesome opportunity to be a dominion steward over my mind, will, and emotions, because the first realm we're all called to steward as dominion stewards in the earth is our interior realm. And the more we do that, the more power we see in the earth. So he helps me with this. I take authority over my mind, will, and emotions in that instance. And by the time I finally get up to the window, when, I, when I'm about to say to the guy, I need my receipt, I open my mouth. And now that my heart is back connected to God, my soul's back in alignment with my born again spirit, I open my mouth. And what my body speaks forth is my first words to the guy is, how's your day going? And he tells me these horrible things. I said, hey, I got to run and catch my train. But before I do, can I pray for you? And he's like, that would be amazing. I got to minister to him. The point of this is, if we're willing to let Holy Spirit mentor us. And I've allowed this for the last several years, and all the nuggets are in this book. If we become better stewards of our interior realm and better dominion stewards of our, our thoughts, our feelings, our choices, our mind, our will, our emotions, we actually will see a greater authority in the earth to shift things all around us. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And, um, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Robert, is is so you are overseeing men on the front lines, you're yes. the uh, senior apostle over that, and so you're working with guys, and you're working with guys in, uh, in in fun conditions, maybe at times, maybe even stressful conditions. Like you guys aren't necessarily just getting together and doing a bunch of church meetings, right? Like right. you guys are doing all all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, horseback riding and shooting guns, and I don't jumping out of airplanes. I don't know if you've done that one yet, but we haven't done jumping out of airplanes <laughs> yet. Not yet. That sounds fun. But like you guys are going for it, so you're starting. To, you're seeing guys in conditions where perhaps they're being stretched, doing things that maybe they've never done before with these man camps. And I, my question for you is, um, where do you feel like guys wrestle? in the area of their own kind of soul stewardship. And do you think that, that this is even a conversation uh, that guys are, that guys even think about normally? Um, is this, is this something that, that, that you see men are mindful of when it comes to soul stewardship? Um, and, and I mean, what, and, and what are some ways that you're kind of taking this approach in your book to kind of minister to men to, to, to get them to care? And I guess there's maybe, it's funny how there's oftentimes there can be kind of an assumption behind the question. Sometimes you can kind of hear, right, right. You can kind of hear the question behind the question. And I, I guess if I was just to ask it straight up, do you think guys care when it comes to these conversations? I think they do. I think they're in a way almost not even. I won't say afraid 
to care or ask the questions. I think they've forgotten that they care. And the reason I bring that up is I'm actually starting right now to outline a book specifically for men. Winning the battles is for every believer, but you, what you're saying is really important and we do need to address some things specifically for men. But one of the things we're doing, you know, we're doing these Heroes Arise events. Um, yeah. Actually, starting next year, we're doing them all over the world. We're doing awesome. them in Cambodia. We're doing them in Belize. We've got one in Pennsylvania coming up. We did one in Canada last year. Um, and those are really about reminding men of the hero that they are and the ability they have in every sphere of influence to to rise up as the hero of the warrior the champion they are and reminding them the power that they have in christ but in addition to that we're doing and you were an integral part of coming up with this idea we're doing these man camps and what the man camps are is they're what you're talking about it's where we get together and do some fun outdoor stuff you know masculinity is so under attack in our culture right now and i can go way off on this i won't <laughs> but it's it's under attack and i'm not saying femininity isn't under attack right, but I'm, right. what i'm saying is god's calling me right now to help start this movement and many others are doing the same thing to uh, to remind men of who we are on the full spectrum masculinity is not one thing it's not just the you know the the, the clint eastwood tall silent type masculinity is on the full spectrum of the the way god has made us and but there is it's important that we celebrate masculinity and in that getting back to your question in man camp we do that in man camp we do some teaching we do some mentoring we do a lot of fun activity together but one of the sort of stealth agendas of man camp is to give men something as i talk to men all over the world they told me they were hungry for but they didn't know how to ask a chance to connect with other guys a chance to connect with other brothers a chance for you know a jonathan and david relationship because most men are busy doing what they know they're supposed to be doing. They're 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 earning the money they need to earn. They're they're taking care of everything that needs to be taken care of. They're so busy that one area that we've neglected is the very important area of brother relationships. And man camp, the 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 sort of blessing of man camp is when you get together with a bunch of like and not like-minded guys, but you celebrate what you have in common as men and have fun together. Every man camp we see guys come out of that with lifelong friendships, lifelong relationships, because we need a brother in the battle. We're all in battles, and it means the world to have somebody that you can turn to and be real with. And when you get real and say, you know what, right now I'm wrestling in this area, having a brother who will look you in the eye like a Jonathan and a David and say, look, I'm here for you. I'm not judging you. I'm not dismissing you. I'm not running away from you. This doesn't scare me. This doesn't freak me out. This doesn't diminish you in my eyes. Let's go through this thing together. Somebody to celebrate the victories with, somebody to be there in the battles. You know, one of the things I marvel at the relationship with Jonathan and David that I've never really heard taught on is Jonathan, to me, is one of the greatest heroes of the Old Testament because he's next in line for the throne. Wow. The throne is his birthright, but he sees what God has called David to, and he's so selfless, and he's such a friend and such a brother and such a kingdom man that he says, you know what? I see what God wants to do, and I want to help you come into all that you're called to. I want to be there for you. You be there for me. He gives up his birthright because he knows ultimately this is the point. That is a friend. And I can personally attest, I've come out of every man camp. I love doing them because selfishly, I come out of every one with a new buddy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and 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 I love the way that you're talking. I mean, I, I think that oftentimes um, there's kind of like a demographic of men that just when it, like, and there's also just this whole kind of thing with the soul because like soul conversations are very popular right now, right? Like, right, right. Uh, it's very trendy to talk about the soul and, and the soul improvement, and, and I, I'm I'm referring to outside of the church, right? Like, okay. these are huge conversations just within kind of this spiritual kind of wave that's definitely covering our our our, our country. We we feel it definitely here on the on the on the west coast being in seattle and portland right in in la but you don't necessarily see a lot of like manly men in those camps you you tend to see a, you know very very skinny men who listen to yeah. the sounds of whales that sit in a yeah. lotus pose on the side of a cliff and you know and so oftentimes when 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 guys hear the word soul or working on their soul or win, winning the battle for your you know oftentimes i think that there's kind of a disconnect there and i think right that when it comes to spiritual things, that there can be kind of a disconnect, and and um, and so I'm 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 encouraged by what I see with things like man camp, where you don't yeah. have to tap out of your masculinity in no. order to engage with God and the things of the spirit. There's a celebration of of the ma- uh, uh, of your masculinity and yeah. and a celebration of your of your true identity that even trumps masculinity, your identity Absolutely. in Christ. And then also this this kind of thing of like these conversations really do matter because your health and your happiness coincide. And so oftentimes, uh, and I hope this isn't like a feel free to push back, but I think sometimes guys can be a little bit selfish and they 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 can tend to be led by their hungers or their desires, you know, and um and 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 I just think that there is. There's something to be said of guys like, hey, look, like if you want to be healthy, like if you if you right. want to be happy, like really happy, like if if you have like a, a if you're if you're if your bent is towards selfishness, then yeah, then dive into your issues because if you can be healthy, you will be truly happy. Otherwise, yeah. all you're doing is you're feeding this void temporary uh, fleeting pleasure you know and um and so i think that there's an invitation here like if 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 you truly want to be like satisfied if you want a great amazing life in every way imaginable then then have these conversations and and find these kind of gritty communities right where you don't have to pretend and you don't have to dress up and you don't have to do whatever you can be truly you and be celebrated where you're at but the great thing, like what we celebrate in man camp, though, is I agree with what you said. But I also want to emphasize for everybody who's listening that it's not it's not only the guys who are really good at all that stuff. <clears throat> I mean, I love that guys will come to man camp that have never baited a hook, that have never shot a gun, that have never dribbled a basketball, that have never played volleyball. We welcome all of that. We want to celebrate masculinity. I mean, to your point, yes. And I'm not going to push back. I'm going to take a slightly different take on what you said. One of the caricatures of masculinity is that we are led around by our body, specifically a body part. And that's (laughs) one of the ways that masculinity has been under attack. I look at it two ways. One of the ways it's been under attack is the 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 foolification of men, you know, sitcoms and commercials make yep. the dad, the guy, the idiot, the joke, the 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 fool, and it's the it's the it's the devaluing of the masculine.
masculine role in society. One of the other ways that it's been under attack is what you're saying is the lie for years that you're only a real man if you're if you are being led around by that body part and if yeah. you are using that with every woman that you can. Yeah. And those are all lies. A re- one of the things we have to do is reestablish what are the core values of masculinity. We wow. have you've seen them. We have the core values of who we are as men on the front lines. We built men on the front lines as a ministry the way I learned to build Patricia King Ministries USA as a ministry from values. We have established what the values of being a man on the front lines is, what being a real man in Christ is. None of us do it perfectly. We hold each other accountable to it and we cheer each other on because we want coming again, me railing against what's going on in culture right now against man does no good. It makes me another shouter that's tuned out. So I want to rejoice. I want to celebrate. I want to cheer on what real masculinity is because some of this pushback that we are seeing in culture against masculinity and why it's being attacked is because there's been things. It's a reaction to the other lie of, of, well, a man is this, you're only, I grew up with the lie that you're only a real man if you make this much money and you live in this kind of house and you drive this kind of car that has nothing to do with whether or not you're a real man you know real men are men of integrity they're men of core values they're men of their word they're men who champion and fight for women i mean i won't go into all of our values but we have a lot of values because that's how we're going to rebuild masculinity in the and i personally believe shouting back at all the things that are coming against men doesn't do any good. What we need to do is say, I'm going to change how I'm living with God and for God as a real man. I'm going to adhere to these kingdom values and these values of being a real man. And like we talked about Romans 5, 15 through 19, if we're willing to do that, that not only changes our lives, it's released into the world. And man camp, we see sort of like a cave of Adullam, the Heroes Arise events too, because these guys came from all walks of life. They were the wretched refuse. They were beat up. They were used up. They were tired. They were discouraged. But what did they do? They came and they spent time with their king and they were reminded of who they were and they became the greatest champions in the land. And that's what Heroes Arise events. That's what man camps are all about. That's what men on the front lines is dedicated to reminding men of who we are in Christ, not putting a performance burden on them. If you've got to do this, you've got to do that but reminding them of who we are and empowering them in that because from that place, your, your soul does get healed and you prosper and you are in health as your soul prospers. You succeed in business. You succeed in marriage. You succeed in uh, fatherhood. You succeed in all your roles as a man, whatever they are, whatever you're called to, whatever your spheres of influence. But it, it comes down to not saying you have to do this, but let us remind you who you really are. So good. And this is uh, the book, you guys, if you're listening, it's called Winning the Battle. That's the name of the book. So Winning the Battle for Your Mind, Your Will, and Your Emotions for Robert Hodgkins. Uh, Robert Hodgkin. And this is not uh, this is not a lady's book. This is not a man's book. This is a book for humans. So if you're a human <laughs> and you are, and you want to take, uh, your, you want to take life a little bit more seriously. You want to be, uh, more integrated. So you, you're, you're empowered internally to be able to do the things that you want to do without always being kind of defeated by your past and, and thinking patterns and, and those kinds of, kinds of things. You're definitely going to want to check this out. But also for all the guys that are listening that, that want want to connect there is a uh, an amazing men on the front lines facebook group and it's a closed group 
group. So it's only, it's only available to men. And, uh, and how, how can, how can our, our male listeners join that group, Robert? If they go on Facebook and in the search field, type in men on the front lines, it will show them that group. They click on it. And I believe something will come up that says, and I'm not sure if it's join or apply, and they click that, and then it goes into the admin thing, and the next time I go on, I'll see that. And if you're a guy, you get approved, um, and they'll be part of the group. And it's interesting that you say uh, now's a great time to join because hopefully in the next two to three weeks, we, I mean, it's a, it's a place where guys can connect and talk, and we do some mentoring in there. But we're about to launch a, uh, a, a video podcast that will go on only in that Facebook page. Awesome. So it'll, awesome. be, it'll be places to hear from me. Hopefully, um, yeah, I know you've put some stuff up in there, Darren, but it's a way for these guys to connect. They, they'd simply do a search for Men on the Front Lines on Facebook and click Join or Reply or whatever little message bar, bar that comes up. Okay, that's perfect. So if you're a dude and you're listening, make sure that you do that. Join this group. When you get into the group, leave a little comment that says that you listen to the podcast and that you're a proud member of Men on the Front Lines. Once you're in that group, you'll get updated um, with all of the uh, conferences that are happening all over the country um, and uh, and all over the world, actually. And so uh, this is a this is a, a very organic men's movement that's not being built around events. It's being built around values and community. And so it's, it's a different kind of thing than previous uh, men's movements that were built around events because they only lasted for as long as the event actually lasted. But Robert's heart is to build a company of men, a company of dreamers with, with, uh, with, the same core values, and so you're going to definitely want to check that out, um, Robert. I just wanted to ask you, what kind of stuff? Like, what are you up to, man? Just as a uh, outside of the men on the front lines and outside of the ministry, what 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 kind of goals? Like, what kind of stuff are you uh, going after right now? Oh man, um, <laughs> you name it. Um, one of the big things that I've stepped out into is media. Um, you know, we do the weekly Heroes Arise TV okay. or uh, the Heroes Arise live media show. And I've also recently launched a new show with Patricia King that we're doing called Propel. So we're really having yes. fun with streaming media. We're. All right. And you were just saying that you're doing a lot of fun stuff with streaming media right now. Yeah, we're we're actually um, we're actually shifting all of our media over to streaming media. We've been on God TV, we've been on the Miracle Channel, um, we've been on different Christian networks, but we're really excited. We feel like the future of media is streaming media. So from uh, My Heroes Arise show to the show that um, Patricia and I just launched together called Propel, she's got a new one coming up as well. But we're doing 100 percent switching over to streaming media. So I invite everybody to connect with me on my official Facebook page or even uh, my Robert Hodgkin YouTube channel because we've got some really fun stuff coming up. Awesome. I haven't even seen your YouTube channel, so I'm going to go and check that out for sure. I just started it, so it'd be great. Yeah, we're just starting to build it now, so that's fantastic. Hey, that is exciting. And also, uh, so now, are you on any sort of like crazy health kind of things? Because I know you're actually married to a doctor. So <laughs> your, your, your wife, Yuri, really makes sure that you're like you know, that you're just in, in, in shape and just, you know, uh, and that you're <laughs> so like, I'm just curious, like, what well, are you, you drinking any crazy green stuff or like, no, you know, she keeps me on a pretty good regimen of, uh, she's a naturopath. She's one of the, the top naturopaths in the country. My wife, I, man, I could brag on my wife all day long. I, I'm so proud of her. She's amazing. Um, and she keeps me on a pretty good regimen of uh, different vitamins and supplements to uh, make sure that 
with my crazy schedule, I stay, I stay strong. So um, I'm excited about that. And then every year we do, uh, we plan to, we have to be very intentional about planning time together because she is so busy in her calling and I'm blessed to be busy in mine. And we've got our big, uh, once a year we go to Coronado together and that weekend's coming up. So even as I'm talking about it, I got a big smile on my face because I get a whole long weekend, just one-on-one with my great wife. Oh, come on. Come on, and, and and Robert, what's what's one thing that you that you've been telling yourself? Like, I want to start doing that way, way, way more. Like, like something in your life where, where maybe you've done it once or twice, and you're like, that was so amazing that I like I need more of that in my life. Two things. I have started uh, really kind of pressing in and learning about contemplative prayer, like the Desert Fathers did. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a a communicator. I'm a talker. That's pretty obvious from the (laughs) last hour um, from when I'm preaching. But one of the things I'm discovering, I love decrees. I've written books of decrees. But I'm, I'm, I'm learning this whole new contemplative prayer of simply spending time with God. And what I've discovered is the things our mind can't grasp of God, our hearts are able to embrace. So it's taking me to a whole different place and depth of intimacy and connection with God. So I'm really enjoying that. And then something I want to get back into, it's funny you asked that, Darren, you're very prophetic, <laughs> awesome. because I've been, I've, I've recently really been thinking and God's been stirring me. When I lived in Montana, I went fly fishing all the time. And it has been almost 14 years since I've gone dry fly fishing. And I'm, I really want to get back into that i know living in the desert is not the best place to be thinking about that but i'm i'm decided i'm going to get intentional about finding a place and going at least once a year because after i got saved in the mountains of montana splitting wood and i had a sovereign visitation of jesus he showed up and told me i refuse not to love you and i went from being a hardcore mocker and persecutor of christians to absolutely loving jesus and i can remember my times spending all day like on the swan river in in northwest montana and you know absolute quiet and silence other than the sound of the river the wind um and i've been craving that especially as i've started this contemplative prayer thing i've realized that I'm staring at screens and and listening to uh, input all the time, and I'm, I'm I want to get intentional about carving out some time to really de-plug, as it were, or unplug, as it were. Oh, that's exciting! I, I think you should go for it. And Montana, man, that's like the that's like the capital of fly fishing, right? Like that's where that's where it all went down. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually biggest brown trout I ever caught was on that. Um, Missouri River that um, the great book uh, oh shoot what's it called the river runs through it yeah, that, yeah, uh, yeah Norman McLean wrote that so I went down there I lived about two and a half hours north of there and I did most of my fishing on the Swan River which was my backyard wow uh, and and then I'd go up into the Elk River because I was really close to Fernie British Columbia so I'd usually buy a, a both a Montana and a Canadian license but every once in a while I'd wind down to the Missouri and uh, and because there were some big browns down there it was fun oh come on so everybody this is Robert Hodgkin make sure that you connect with him uh, especially on social when it comes to Facebook um, if you're one of the guys jump onto the men on the front lines um, uh, group and then everyone everyone check out the show notes we got the link there so you can pick up your copy of winning the battle by Robert Robert Hodgkin this is going to really help you out biblically and practically with some golden keys that are going to help unlock some new realities in your life Robert thank you so much for your time today appreciate you Darren thank you I really appreciate getting to be on and even more I appreciate that I got to spend time with you my friend ah awesome let's do it again all right buddy 
podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take that minute or two to leave a review, if you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. You can give it one star and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarrenshow.com. Thanks, guys.